is Nita Erlene, and you are listening to the TRC Ministries Podcast. The vision of TRC Ministries is to see individuals fulfill their calling under the authority of the Church, using the resources of the Kingdom of God. We are currently in the middle of a series called The Life-Giving Gospel. With the good news of the Kingdom of God, we have a choice set before us. Whose Kingdom do we want to belong to? In this third part of The Life-Giving Gospel, the two Kingdoms are contrasted the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of Satan. What are the rulers like? What are the resources available to us? And what is the culture of each kingdom? If you haven't actively chosen who you belong to, this is a good time to consider your life, and we hope be blessed by what God is offering you. Here is Karis Nordland, continuing her teaching at Country Faith Church in Bemidji, Minnesota. All right, so this is week three of the life-giving gospel, and um, we'll just do a little bit of quick review. So the first couple of weeks, the first week we talked about what is the gospel, and we talked about Jesus came and he proclaimed the gospel of God, and that was that the kingdom of God was now available. It had arrived and it was available to everyone. And um, Jesus brought the kingdom when he came, and he made a way for us to be in his kingdom. And that central message of the good news is very much tied to what Jesus did on the cross, but it's not limited to that. And Jesus um, wanted us to know that we are invited, we are able to enter the kingdom of God. So that was what we were talking about the first week, and The second week, we talked about, okay, if that's kind of the central message, what is the kingdom of God? So we looked at the definition that um, kingdom has two parts to it. One is about who's in charge, and the other part is about how much they are in charge of. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, um, we are talking about God being in charge, and we're talking about Um, what he has a right to be in charge of. So he has a right to be in charge of anything, right? Anything that he wants. He is the most powerful. He's also the creator of everything. So he has a right to be in charge of everything, but we put a little asterisk there, right? Because when God created humans, he gave them free will. So he allows us, he gave us kind of this tiny little realm around ourselves, that we get to decide whether we invite God's kingdom into our realm or not. So there are little pockets, right, where God has allowed his rule to not be observed. So that's where that little asterisk comes in. But what Jesus was saying was that God is willing and he is able to come set up his kingdom where we are at in our realm. He wants to be there, and he wants to be involved, and that invitation is for us to invite the king to come and to defend us and to take care of us and to give us his resources. And so he's willing. He's willing to come. So what we're going to be talking about today is what are we going to choose? We're going to talk about that choice that we have in front of us. We have to deal with the asterisk. Are we going to invite the kingdom of God into 
our realm, into where we are at? Are we going to, with our will, allow ourselves to be submitted to the will of God and bring his kingdom to us? So in order to make that choice, we have to think about what does that entail, right? What is involved in that decision? So this is where your handouts are coming in. And um, we're going to be talking about our choice between rulers. Who do, who do we want ruling over us? We're going to be talking about the resources. What is available to us in God's kingdom or in the kingdom of darkness? Which do we prefer? We're going to be talking about culture. What is the way of life? What is life like when we are in the kingdom of God or when we are in the kingdom of darkness? And we're going to talk about battle, right? Because these two kingdoms are at war. And so when we are taking a side, we end up in the midst of a battle. So we get to decide what we want, you know, which side we want to be on in that battle. One of the things that we can see happen is that people think, I'm not sure about God, this whole, you know, religious God business. So I don't know if I really want to be part of that. And, you know, I'm not a Satanist. So I'm just going to ignore that and live my life and um, just kind of be my own person. I don't need, you know, either one. I'm just going to kind of do the best that I can with what I've got. And what people don't realize is this is not, there is no third option. You have one or the other. And the reason for that is God is the only one who is strong enough to resist the devil. So if we are resisting God and we don't want his power in our lives, we are at the mercy of Satan because he is a tyrant and he will take over any area that is not submitted to God because God defends his kingdom, right? And he's the only one powerful enough to resist Satan. So there is no, I'll just be in the middle. There are so many people that have thought, you know, I'm not really choosing Satan, I'm not choosing God, I'm just living my life, and they have no idea that Satan trumps in and out of their life using their power for his own will. They have no idea. They are deceived, they are blinded, and they think that they're just living their life. No, they are being manipulated and they're being overpowered by Satan. So there's only two choices here. We get to choose the kingdom of God, or we get to choose the kingdom of darkness. And we want our eyes open, right? We don't want to just, by default, end up in the kingdom of darkness if that's not good, right? So um, this is a participatory session because I realize that I'm speaking to many people who have walked with the Lord longer than I have, who have experienced God in many ways. And so um, this I didn't feel like this was something that I necessarily needed to teach. What is God like? A lot of us know what he is like, but we still need this in the front of our minds today, and we need to be reminded. So let's encourage one another and remind one another what is God like? And um, so as we go through this, I'll kind of lead it. But this is for all of us to jump in on. So the first question, ruler. Who do we want in charge of us? So let's look at e either ruler. Um, what is Satan like? What do we know that Satan is like? Evil, 
liar, deceptive, thief, a prowler. Yeah, he prowls around like prideful. prideful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sneaky, destroyer, cunning. Ooh, he's smart. Subtle. You don't always see him coming, huh? He won't shut up. He's a thief. He wants to steal from you, right? He knows the scriptures. Yep. Oh, he can appear as an angel of light. He can seem different than he really is. He's a fraud. He's a proposer. Yeah. Okay. We got a picture of what Satan is like. What is God like? The opposite of all the above. What do we know about God? What are some specifics? He's faithful and true, someone we can count on. He loves us. He loves us. He's never broken a promise, and he's made a lot of promises. Creator of all we know, including the enemy. Yeah. Patient, abounding in mercy. I think someone over here said he is good. He's full of goodness. Ever present. Always here. He helps us. He provides for us. He's forgiving. He has a plan for our lives, and it's always good. It's always best. He's sovereign. Yeah, very powerful, right? A God of miracles. He's willing to exert power in our lives, right? He forgives us even if others are unwilling to, yeah. A redeemer. He can make things good and new again. Creator of everything. When we are talking about these things, I mean, what a stark contrast, right? One ruler is there. He just wants to take. He wants to destroy us. He hates us. He hates us. And the other ruler loves us. He wants to provide for us. What kind of ruler do we want in our lives? We get to think a lot about what kind of ruler we want during this season, right? But there's another kingdom. There's a spiritual kingdom in our lives, and we get to choose between two rulers. A good, loving, gracious, forgiving, or a hateful, deceiving, sneaky. All right, so that's kind of a picture of ruler. Oh, another one. God is serving. Jesus showed that. He washed the feet of his disciples, and he said, you do likewise. He's sacrificial. He gave of himself. He's not taking. He's not grabbing. He's not stealing. He's giving. He gave his own life. He gives us everything he has. So, picture of a ruler. How about a picture of resources? What's available to us in the kingdom of darkness? What kind of resources are there? Dark power. Darkness, yeah. Everything you want. Mm -hmm. King of darkness. Maybe everything you think you want. Deceptive desires. He tries to pass it off as more fun, doesn't he? Yeah. Media. Okay. Could be. Could be in either kingdom, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, immediate gratification. Bitterness. Yes. Bitterness. I think there's a lot of hatred to go around in that kingdom, isn't there? Anxiety. 
fear. Yeah, sickness. There's not a lot available to us there, right? Because that ruler's not trying to give us anything, is he? He tries to give us power. We talked about the, the evil, destructive power, right? He tries to turn our power into the power to destroy, because that's what he's in the business of. How about what's available to us in the kingdom of God? What kind of resources are there? The Holy Spirit. My goodness, that's a big one, right? Wow. Everlasting life. Mm-hmm. There's an eternal future with God. Abundant life. Jesus said he came to give life and that they might have it abundantly. Mercy. There's always mercy and forgiveness available to us there. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, yes. What else? Justice and righteousness are both available to us in the kingdom of God, yes. Miracles, grace, joy. There's an abundance of joy in the kingdom of God, right? Because his presence is there. Peace and love. We can be at peace We can feel loved. You know, we receive love, and there is so much love that we have enough to give out to. Forgiveness, yes. The word, yeah. Truth. Truth. The gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Each other. Community, yes. Family. A place to belong. Armor, yeah. There's there's a protection there. Victory, yeah. Yeah, just the presence of God, to have him there, the comfort of that. He is amazing. It's kind of exciting. I mean, we know these things, but how often are we thinking about all of them? Again, bringing these things to mind, bringing them to the front of our mind. God, uh, he, he provides the land, but he gives us the seed. He, he waters it and nourishes it and causes it to grow. He brings forth the harvest. He provides the the combine, if you will, the harvesters to go out. He provides a place to put the grain, the the eternal heavenly realm that we all get to go to. I mean, it's like, what more do you need? You know? Yeah, it's just amazing. He's so good. He is so good. He's interested in giving. He's interested in giving. Satan is interested in taking and using. I want to read some scripture. I know we talked about a lot of these things, but I think it's powerful to hear it from scripture. So I'm just going to read through real quick. Uh, I probably won't even say the references. You know, these things are true. They are in the word of God. You know, I started putting together, um, you know, what are all the resources? It's like endless. It's almost endless, and it's all over all over scriptures, throughout the whole thing, how much God makes available to us, how much he's willing to give us, how good he is, how much he loves us. And if we're in that word, we get to be reminded over and over, yes, this is a good kingdom. This is a good God. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. 
Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. With the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. This is just a fraction. It's a fraction of the verses, the scriptures, the promises that come from God. He has abundant resources, overflowing resources, and he wants to make them available to us. He invites us to partake in that. All right, so that's resources. Let's talk about culture. What's, what's life like for us when we're in the kingdom of darkness? What's kind of the culture there? There's confusion. Mm-hmm. You're just, you're just looking out for yourself. There's just the idea of kind of survival almost. Just trying to get through. Shame, guilt, fake friends, yeah. It's the idea of kind of always looking over your shoulder, maybe. Chaos. Mm-hmm. Anger, fear. There's tons of that, just living in that, right? What about, what's the culture? Describe life in the kingdom of God. What does it feel like? What does it look like? Freedom. A lot of freedom. Peace. Just at peace. Yeah. Love. Purpose. Yes. A spirit-led life. We're not figuring it out ourselves. Joy. Yep, not just happiness from our circumstances, but a deep joy. We're significant to him. Yes, he delights in us, and we have a significant role to play in the story he's creating, it, don't we? Contentment, yes. What a stark contrast this is to the confusion and the chaos and the hatred and the shame. 
right? What a contrast. Another one that I thought of was, there's rest. In one side, you're striving. You're trying to look out for yourself. You always have looking over your shoulder. And on the other side, there's just rest. You can rest there. I thought of community. We live in community in the kingdom of God. It's not just about us. We're not just looking out for ourselves, but we're together. We're looking out for one another. We're caring for one another. Um, I thought of the word industrious. People, we're at work. We have good works to do that God, God gives us. And Ephesians 4 talks about each part doing its share. And we're kind of, there's a camaraderie there that we're working together. And I think, um, someone talked about purpose and significance. We've got meaningful things to do because there is a future that we know of and there is a hope that we live in. And in the kingdom of darkness, there is no hope. We're just trying to survive each day. There's nothing that we're living for long term, right? Okay. This is where I think it gets critical. When we start talking about battle, I think there are a lot of people that say, I like the idea of a loving God, and I like the idea that he has lots of good things that he wants to give me, and I like this idea of just kind of resting and walking in this good kind of life with hope, but I'm not interested in a battle. So um, when things get hard or if I know that I'm going to have to stand up for something, I'm, I'm out. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. But we can't separate these things. They go together. This is the kingdom of God. So when we think about battle, the kingdom of God is a supernatural kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom, and it has supernatural kind of spiritual ramifications because, as we talked about in the beginning, there's two sides. There's not a third side, so we have to make a choice which battle we want to be in. There are spiritual forces at work. We need spiritual armor. I think someone mentioned the armor that God provides. Uh, We need to understand how to fight these battles uh, with our spiritual armor, our spiritual weapons. But we have to understand that when we choose a kingdom, we have taken sides. In a battle that's going on, in a war that's going on, there are kingdoms that are in conflict and we've taken a side. We will experience warfare. I think someone talked about Satan prowling. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 2 Corinthians says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We will experience hardship and trouble. We need to understand that. But we do not have to be conquered by them because there is a king who is defending his kingdom. He's fighting alongside of us. He's giving us the armor and the weapons that we need, but he's training us to be a part of this battle, a part of this war. So Satan, he's a usurper. He's trying to not allow God's kingdom here, right? This is Satan wants his own kingdom here. He doesn't want God's kingdom here. So he's trying to take over and he's in a fight. You know what else? Jesus said that the world would hate us. 
it hated him and it will hate us. And what happens is there are a lot of people that have refused God in their own kingdom, and they hate the reminder of that. They hate the idea of someone else accepting God or bringing the light of God. It's uncomfortable. They also have the influence and manipulation of Satan in their lives, right? So we have people in the world against us when we choose sides. We have Satan against us. We have the world, right, against us. Sometimes when we look at the battle, it can seem overwhelming because we feel like a circle of light, and there's a lot of circles of darkness out there coming at us, coming against us. And what we have to remember constantly is that we have a king with us. He is defending his kingdom. And if the forces of darkness were 10,000 times stronger than they are, he will still prevail. He is bigger and he is stronger than anything that is coming against us, even if they all team up at once. God is still strong and he is still able to deliver us. I want to do just a quick uh, recap here. Choose your ruler. One ruler loves you. He wants to give you everything that he has. The other ruler hates you, and he wants to take anything that you've got and use it for destruction. You have to choose your resources. One ruler wants to give you abundant life, protection, every good thing from his endless resources. The other offers nothing but a mirage. He is a liar. He is a manipulator. He does not offer anything. All you receive is an increasingly desperate craving that is never satisfied, and it will slowly lead you into misery, despair, and death. Choose your culture. The kingdom of God is a culture of abundance. There is plenty there. It's full of rest loving community, purposeful work, hope, and a future. The kingdom of darkness has a culture of poverty, of scarcity, because its ruler is a stealer, right? It is full of striving. It's full of trying to take what you can get. Hatred, suspicion, meaningless, and a hopeless awaiting of destruction. Choose your culture. And now we have to choose our battle. You can live a passive life, overrun by the tyranny of your flesh and its cravings, overwhelmed by the circumstances of the world, and overpowered by Satan's destruction in your life, while you battle the knowledge of God and his love for you, and you can fight the calling that he has on your life. But when the scores are settled, you will be assigned a place with the condemned where you will be swept away and disposed of along with everything else that has set itself up against God. Or you can rest in the love and abundance of the kingdom of God in deep relationship with the king himself, secure in your calling as you fight alongside him in a spiritual battle against the kingdom of darkness, willing to give up your life in every sense of the word, but knowing that when the war is over and all the scores are settled, you will be assigned a place with a victor where you will be honored and rewarded and enjoy the rest of eternity with a good and perfect king in his good and perfect kingdom. We have a battle to fight. 
we get to choose which side we get to be on and what we're fighting against and what we are fighting for. But we have a battle. We can't bury our head in the sand. There are spiritual forces that are coming in conflict, and we choose a side. I think this idea of battle is the hardest one to come to terms with, maybe, in our walk with God. It feels scary. It feels scary. It feels hard. God's kingdom is an all-or-nothing kingdom, and that's hard. In Matthew 13, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. He sold all he had and bought the field. Kingdom of God requires a willingness to give up everything else to gain the riches of Christ. It's an all-or-nothing kingdom. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And when we think about losing our life, it's not just the idea of someday I might have to be a martyr. When we're giving up our life, we're giving up the ideas of what our life should be like, our rights to order our life as we see fit, I mean, we are giving up our life to gain the life that God calls us to. And it's a good life. It's a good life, but it's scary because it's unknown. And it's out of our control, and we're submitted to someone that we're still learning about, right? We're still learning to trust the Lord. We have to count the cost. Jesus spoke about that in Luke 14. I'm going to read that section. Jesus said... Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus is calling us to count the cost. When we're thinking of what we would like in our life, do we want goodness? Do we want evil? We say we want goodness. There's still a cost there. We have to give up our life. And when that battle comes, because it comes, we have to be ready for our choice to stay the same. We have to know what we're choosing so that we are not caught off guard and so that we do not become defectors to the kingdom of darkness when things get troubled, right? We have to understand this. One of the illustrations that has become personal to me because God came and spoke to me, I was um, younger and I was reading the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life. And they kind of had back and forth. And then Jesus said, go sell all you have. And it, you know, it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and then said, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. 
and the rich young ruler went away sad. He didn't do it. And I kind of felt uncomfortable with that passage. I was like, I don't really want to sell everything I have. I mean, I totally get that. And is this a, you know, parable about me needing to do that, God? You know, it was just kind of uncomfortable. And I was talking to God and I said, why would you ask that? I mean, he didn't have to necessarily sell everything in order to follow Jesus. And why didn't you make it a little bit easier for him? And I felt like God told me, it's not about what he would have to give up. It's about what he was missing out on by not doing it. And we have to have that mentality. We know all of the goodness, the good plans, the good resources, every good thing that God offers. And yet he asks us to give up our life to join his kingdom. And we have to realize it's not about what we're giving up. It's about what we're gaining. It's about what we're gaining. Jesus knew if that rich young ruler sold everything that he had, he would still have enough when he followed Jesus. He would have everything that he needed and more. Because that rich young ruler came to him knowing that there was something missing. And Jesus told him how to find it, but he didn't want to. We have to realize the key is not about what we're giving up. It's about what we're gaining. And keep our mind set on that. So the question is there for you. What kingdom do you choose? God offers us citizenship to his kingdom. There's no tests. There's no fees. There's no qualifications. It's only through the blood of Jesus. But citizenship means being subject to the ruler of the kingdom. So next week, we're going to talk about what does citizenship look like? What does that mean for our lives, our everyday lives, as we kind of live out our lives in our workplace and our family and all of that. Citizenship looks like something. And how do we do that and what does it look like and how can we be a part of that? So that's what we're going to be talking about next session. I, we have about five more minutes and I just want to open it up if anyone has any comments or things that are kind of stirring in them or scriptures that have come to mind. You're welcome to share. I'd love to hear it. I think that the choice that we make to, go, to live in God's kingdom and that battle that we fight is really against our own willfulness and our desire. We think we think we want all that's good, but when we align ourselves with that kingdom of light, we need to walk in the light. So everything that our God is is what we need to become. And so it's that battle for our mind where we give up our our willingness to we want forget to be forgiven. Will we forgive? Will we walk in that same way that our king walks? And I think that that's our real battle against the evil one, is that he would like us to participate in his kingdom and be unforgiving and be unkind and to be about ourselves and to not be giving. And so it's not even just about just our finances, our money that we have to give away. We have to give up our right to withhold that same love and forgiveness for others. Kind of along that same line, I'm just thinking is uh, the battles we face many times aren't wrong. In other words, sometimes decisions we have to make could be good, good decisions for our finances, the way we've been raised to better our families, to better our life. But we don't realize often how God will reward us if we follow his plan when we don't know what it is. 
Mm-hmm. Many times it'll it'll prosper us beyond our understanding or even our believing sometimes mm-hmm. if we follow his plan. Any other comments? Years ago, um, I was much younger than I am now. I had little kids and we did a Christmas program and um, one of the songs that has always stuck with me is what can I give to the king? Give to the one who has everything. What can I give? What gift can I bring? What can I give to the king? Give him a heart that's opened up wide. Give him a life that's got nothing to hide. And I think so often the battle is, do we trust him enough to really open up every aspect of our life and let him have it? Mm -hmm. And the enemy wins when we're still holding on to parts or hiding things. Mm -hmm. But when we open up wide and we let him have it, he can use it for his glory. Any other comments? I think I was just going to go back to that. You know, our first session we talked about how Jesus called us to repent and believe the good news. And that that idea of repentance is reordering your mind and your life that in a way that fits, right? It's kind of like this change of how you're thinking and how you're doing things so that it fits. And if all this is true about the resources and the goodness and the kingdom of God, of everything that's offered to us, how do we rethink how we're doing life? How do we rethink how we're walking? And how do we believe it? You know, how do we act as if it's true? What do our lives look like if we really hang our lives on these truths? All right, well, it looks like we're to the end of our time. Thank you all for joining in and encouraging me and one another um, in just the goodness of God today. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And for more information on TRC Ministries or to contact us, go to www.regenerationcenter.org.